In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. This thing on. Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to an awesome edition of the Garlic Marketing Show. Our guests keep getting better and better. Not that our past guests weren't incredible, but this one's one of my favorites because, I, you know, we've been using Geno Systems for years, and he's come out with this incredible new book that helps aspiring entrepreneurs take the leap. And we'll talk about that in a second. And my incredible guest who has years of experience in the entrepreneurial world and helps thousands of entrepreneurs, if not more than that, Gina Wickman. But before we get started, a message from our sponsor, whether you're just getting started on your entrepreneurial journey, or you had a 10-figure business before 25, video will be key to starting your business. Storycruise.com has advice on video strategy, the gear you need, and Storycruise.com also has local certified videographers, editors, and strategists local to you. Wherever you are on your business journey, Start with storycruise.com for your video production and marketing needs. That said, Gina Wickman, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Glad to be here, Ian. And uh, so Gino has best-selling book after best-selling book after best-selling book, EOS, Traction, Rocket Fuel. I mean, I was talking before the show, you know, some of the terms in his book are shorthand in the entrepreneur world. So, you know, this is one of the most legit people when it comes to people you should follow to understand your entrepreneurial journey. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey through developing EOS, running for 19 years, and now how you're helping entrepreneurs take the leap. Yeah, glad to. I'll give you the lightning fast version. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've been an entrepreneur since 21 years old, found my way for about three or four years, trying many different things, but ultimately found my way into taking over a family business. And so my dad had created a training program, a sales training program in the real estate industry that transformed real estate agents' careers and turned them into six-figure earners. I took that business over when I was 25. It was in dire need of a turnaround. I was able to completely turn it around. Turned it around in three years, ran it for seven years, and then we successfully sold it. And uh, I stayed on for a year and a half to transition the leadership team and then moved on and, and retired from the business. And during that experience, I got involved in the Young Entrepreneurs Organization, now known as EO, and just fell in love with this crazy world of entrepreneurship and helping my dad as an entrepreneur and just discovered I had this knack. And so I threw myself out there to help entrepreneurs and helped one, helped another, helped another. They started referring me and I started to develop a process and a system and a set of tools that after all of that experience, when I was somewhere around 33, put the finishing touches on creating EOS, a system for helping an entrepreneur run a much, much better business, uh, also known as the entrepreneurial operating system. Fantastic. I mean, obviously the books have sold millions of copies, I'm assuming at this point, uh, but how many people have been through your specific system in your program? So we, we have taken seven, over 7,000 companies through the process uh, with over 300 EOS implementers around the world. And then we have another 70,000, actually more than 70,000 now 
uh, more than 70,000 that are self-implementing the tools by reading the books. And, and in terms of the book sales, uh, we just cracked a million. So someday soon, I look forward to saying millions, uh, but we just cracked a million just to give you a sense of where book sales are. But for books, that's a lot, especially yeah, for right. a, a niche business book. Right. Um, that's fantastic. And 7,000 people, I mean, I know the systems work. Once again, for all of you listening, one of the reasons I was excited to have Gino on is because we use the systems. We use these systems. And I know that he's helped obviously 7,000 entrepreneurs. I know plenty of people, other people have used the system to grow their business. So what drove you to now step back and help early stage new entrepreneurs? Yeah, so a couple of important things. Um, you know, I am an entrepreneur myself. Uh, and after creating EOS and then building an organization of over 300 people, helping those tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, it was when I was 40 years old, I'm now 52. And at 40, I said, you know, once I build this thing, and when I turn 50, I'm going to shift my energy to going to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey. And I want to help entrepreneurs in the making. And then the, the second reason is, you know, I look back at my 18-year-old self as a lost, confused, insecure, mislabeled derelict. I was an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur in the making. And, and you know, I didn't know that. It wasn't entirely called that back then. And so, you know, I'm writing this, looking back at all of that experience, but also I'm teaching my 18-year-old self that if I had this content when I was 18, I would have gotten a much bigger jumpstart on where I am uh, because I was absolutely lost. I did not go to college. Academics were not for me. I wanted to go to work. I wanted to make money. And so I spent, you know, the next 10 years fumbling, bumbling, and figuring it all out. And then it all clicked. So I'm hoping to help it click a lot faster for these entrepreneurs in the making. And that's great because I, you know, obviously a lot of us have the fumbling, bumbling story. And also when you started as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur was kind of a bad word, wasn't it? It, it, it was, you know, but I didn't know it was a bad word. All So I was, I was surrounded by it. I didn't realize it. My dad was certainly an entrepreneur. Most of my cousins were entrepreneurs. Um, my wife's family at that, at that time, she was my girlfriend. Were entre- so it's, you know, it was, I, I kind of was around the world. I saw it, but as my friends all kind of went off to college and they're on these paths that they're being told to go on, I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't get it. I didn't understand it. So, so it was, it was just confusing at best. Yes. <laughs> and um, I, I want to get more into the tactics of deciding that in a second, but what I want to talk about too is, you know, defining entrepreneur first yeah. and, what is an entrepreneur and are you an entrepreneur if you just are a technician and you go hang a shingle and just, you know, keep selling it? Or do you have to have employees? Do you have to grow systems to be considered an entrepreneur? How do you define an entrepreneur? Yeah. So, and one little other nugget to add to what we just talked about, you know, we're talking about me teaching my 18 year old self. And what's, so what's really important about this book and this content and this message and this mission is this is for anyone at any age that think they might be an entrepreneur because you could be 25, 35, 65. So some of your audience, some of you out there, I mean, you followed the path. You went to college, you got a job, you're in the corporate world and you're freaking miserable. Uh, this is a way to do a checkup to realize, you know, did you take the right path? And 
you can change that path regardless of your age. So anyway, long story short, I wanted, I wanted to say that. And, and so to answer your question, so here's my definition of an entrepreneur. And, and I want to give you a couple ways to look at this and your audience a couple ways. So the first definition to kind of put it in a short paragraph is an entrepreneur is someone who sees a need in the world, then takes a risk to start a business to bring that need to the world, either by creating something or improving upon something that exists. And then yes, builds an organization with employees that brings that need to the world. So I do believe there, you got to have at least one to truly be considered an entrepreneur. But if you look at the, you know, true entrepreneurs, there's more than one. So that's definition number one. And then definition number two, this might also help your audience. And so in the book, I talk about the entrepreneurial range and the entrepreneurial range says that, so if you can picture in your mind a range and on the far left end of the range is what I call self-employed people. And then on the far right end of the range, I call true entrepreneurs. So the question is, we're talking about true entrepreneurs. And so that first definition I gave you are all about the people on the right side of the range. And so a true entrepreneur, if we think of the greatest ones of all time, the one that red line, the right side of that range, you have your Steve Jobs and your Oprah Winfrey's and your Henry Ford's and your Thomas Edison's and, and Walt Disney, Sarah Blakely. Um, on the other end, self-employed, there's no shame in that. You've taken a risk. It's very respectful, but these are one man shows, one person shows, one woman shows where you have a, uh, you might be a freelancer a sole proprietor, a solopreneur, you may have bought one franchise location, you whatever that is, it's just you're truly self-employed. And so a self-employed person is anywhere on that range. And when you ask for my definition about a true entrepreneur, it's the people on the right side of the range. And then the last quick thing at a very high level, and I spend the entire first part of the book on this, is a true entrepreneur has six essential traits. And those six essential traits are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And we can go a little deeper into that if you'd like, but a true entrepreneur possesses those traits. It's, it's embedded in their soul. You know, that's interesting because you hear a lot of those, especially like risk taker, which I also, you know, we can go deeper into that. But I, I, one thing I want people to realize is a risk taker doesn't mean taking stupid risk. It means taking calculated risk, which I think you know, if you really look at the risks, some of the risks, it's usually calculated and smarter than not doing anything. You're here. But what is the responsible aspect? Because that's the one that I don't, you don't hear often. When I, you, I love it. I love it. So, um, and I went back and forth round and round. I mean, this is 12 years in the making and a lot of research and a lot of conversations and a lot of interviews. And this is the one that, um, is it confuses people maybe the hardest to explain but so here it is in a nutshell and in a nutshell someone who possesses the responsible trait blames no one they take total responsibility for the outcome when the ball gets dropped the first person they look at is themselves and they say my bad they look in the mirror before they look at anyone else and another way to describe it is if you think about all the people in your life, they all fall into one of two categories. There's two types of people when it comes to responsibility. 
There are the ones that take total responsibility when there's a problem. And then there are people that blame everyone when there's a problem. And the reason I'm convinced, as all of these traits are, is that you're born with these things. They're true traits and characteristics is think about a family of with four children. I mean, you have families with four children that two kids take responsibility and two kids take no responsibility and blame everyone. They were raised in the same household, same parents, same everything. So responsible is that. So do, do you feel like I've answered that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's a, it's and I think it, it's a bigger definition of responsible because it, it's important as an entrepreneur to always be evolving and always be fixing things. And and like you said, a problem solver. And the only way you can be a really good problem solver is to be looking internally. Because you, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you are the business. Yeah, exactly. And and, and so, you know, think of a couple of things, because you're right, this comes up a lot. And a lot of crazy entrepreneurs say, well, I'm not that responsible because they're late for a lot of meetings. Well, being late for meetings does not make you not responsible. Now, just for the record, that's no excuse. Don't be late for meetings, you entrepreneurs out there. Uh, but, but with that, it's, it's at the end of the day, you take responsibility for the outcome. And so imagine somebody building an organization with 10 people, 50 people, a hundred people, there's no way an entrepreneur can build a hundred person organization when their default is to blame everyone for everything. It's just, it, it, anyway, so I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah. Oh no. Great topic. I, I think that it's an important trait, but I know business owners. And in fact, you know, when we're at the agency, when we're vetting business owners for to be our partners, you know, work with us, we don't just take anyone. I'm listening for those questions. That's one of the big things I listen to, listen for in our first call is what they say about their journey so far. Because if someone's like, well, they did this and they did this and they did this. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can help you because you're not, you know, you're not going to be able to grow. Yeah. You're just going to always be blaming everyone else. But uh, you know, when I hear someone say, well, I dropped the ball here. Yeah. But they dropped the ball there. Then I'm like, okay, this is someone that we can work with. Yeah. Um, it, because no, the thing about entrepreneurship and marketing is it is not a straight line, is it? <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. So, you know, speaking of that, you know, how do you go through this assessment? So you've got this assessment on e-leap.com slash assessment. We'll put a link in the show notes so you, you all can see that. But what does the assessment do? How does it work? And where do you go from there? Yeah, great. So, you know, going back to this context, this third context we're on in defining an entrepreneur, it's these six essential traits. And so first and foremost, it's all about you as a potential entrepreneur in the making, deciding if you have them. And so the, as I mentioned, the first part of the book goes deep into those six essential traits. And there's one chapter where I just kind of riff for two or three pages, painting this vivid picture of all of those traits and characteristics alive and well. And as the reader, you're reading that and it's all resonating with you. And this was tested on hundreds of people and you're reading it, you're going, oh my God, this is me. And I say, if it's 80% of you, you're probably an entrepreneur. But as important as all these wonderful traits and you're standing there in the Superman pose thinking you're great, I also riff on all of the downsides because somebody with these six essential traits you know, you've got some issues too. I mean, you are, you know, you are a derelict, you are a rebel, you're crazy. I mean, you're, you're, you have ADD, you have all these other things that aren't so great. You're you're talking about me. I know. (laughs) Of course. So you, you have all of these things. Nonetheless, the point there is it's this process of discovery and soul searching. And so once you go through that, 
I then take you into some very specific detail on each one of those traits. And then from there, yes, you go to the website, e-leap.com, take the Entrepreneur of the Making Assessment. It's free. You can go do that right now. And it just takes you through a list of questions, getting you to think about yourself and rating yourself on a scale in each one of these areas. And it's going to give you a result. And the higher your score, the more likely you are on that right end of the true entrepreneur, entrepreneur range. And the lower you are, you're probably more on that left side of the range. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, if I can just say one last thing, it's on the reader, it's on your audience, it's on that person to be really honest with themselves because everybody wants to be a freaking entrepreneur these days and most just aren't. And so I just, I plead with you to be honest with yourself when you're going through that assessment and, and giving it all some thought. And that's all I was going to get into is because, you know, I, I, I agree these days being an entrepreneur is an awesome thing. It's a cool thing. You know, it's a great word. Everyone wants to be one, but I was asking, is this for everyone? And obviously you said it's not, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see the stats. Maybe you can come on the show six months from now and I want to see the stats of people going through and, where they fall in the range. Cause I've heard only like 4% of people are really entrepreneurs or should. Yeah, and, that's, and that's what my research shows is 4% are true entrepreneurs, you know, on that right side of the range and, and the, the stats they're, they're horrible. You know, I mean, 50% more than 50% of all businesses go out of business in their first five years. Being an entrepreneur is not, it's all cracked, not all it's cracked up to be. So, you know, you read about these entrepreneurs, these successful entrepreneurs, these articles, you know, making millions of dollars, building billion dollar companies, you know, those are the, that's the small percentage. And it's also the reason I wrote this book, because my intent is to increase the odds of success, both by giving a very clear roadmap for how to do it, but also talking people out of taking that leap. Because if I can get people that aren't to not take the leap, that's also going to increase the success rate. So it's both sides of that coin. But the point is, it's hard being an entrepreneur. Those first 10 years are brutal. It's excruciating. You're fighting for your life for 10 years. And so it's not all as glamorous as everybody thinks. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I have those six essential traits. So I'm freaking crazy, as are you and as are <laughs> the other entrepreneurs in the making listening to this recording. And if you're just getting started on your entrepreneurial journey and you're really getting to this, everyone told me how hard it was going to be and you, you don't believe them. You're like, I'm different. And you see these stories and they're unicorns, right? It's no offense. Facebook's awesome, but it's a unicorn. Like these, these big exits are unicorns. That's not the typical entrepreneurial journey. It is slogging. It it is work. It's constantly evolving. It's the roller coaster. And I know every successful entrepreneur I know, has been through that roller coaster. And that's the truth of it. But like you said, when you look back, you want to change anything because you built something. So once you get started, you know, how do you create this path? What are the keys to telling 18 year old Gino, okay, you're an entrepreneur. Here's the path you should create. And here's how you should stay on it. Yeah, so love it. It's and that gets to how the book is laid out. So it's in three parts, part one, part two, part three, obviously. Part one is confirm, and that's what we've been talking about so far up to this moment. Once you confirm you are an entrepreneur in the making, we then get into the second and third parts. And the second part is called glimpse. And what you're asking is about the third part path, and I'm going to take us to path, and I'm going to kind of just dust over glimpse because there's a very specific reason that I put glimpse in there in that part. And what happens in the second part of the book, Glimpse, 
is what I'm doing is I'm showing that entrepreneur in the making, first of all, countless stories of real life examples of entrepreneurs who were where they are right now and how they took their leap and what they built and how they built it. Number two, I'm showing them all of their options because this is so important because everyone's thinking that billion dollar tech unicorns are the only kind of businesses to build when there are so many great options. There's no shame in a $5 million company throwing off a 20% profit. So I show them all of the industries, all of the types of businesses, product businesses, service businesses, B2B, B2C. So they get to see in vivid color. And then I show them a day in the life and a day day in, in the life from a standpoint of heaven and a day in the life from a standpoint of hell. And so I show them the good and the bad. And what that cold glimpse piece does, if you're an entrepreneur in the making and you have those six essential traits, it's going to light you up. It's going to give you such clarity on your options and your choices and what it looks like that then we go to this third part path. And in path, what I'm doing there is I am literally showing the path. I'm showing the guideposts. I'm giving awarenesses on the journey to much uh, better increase the odds of their success. And so I touch on everything from depending on their age, college or not. And there's a lot of great data there in terms of pros and cons. I get into how vital passion is. If you take your entrepreneurial leap, you've got to take it around a passion of yours. Our odds are you're not going to succeed. I get into mentorship and how to find a mentor, utilize a mentor. I get into patience. I, I teach the concept of 10-year thinking, which is incredibly powerful. And then I basically show nine stages for taking the leap and give eight insights for taking a leap, all of which, again, just gives a path to lay a better foundation so they make better decisions. And it all stems from my 30 years of experience watching these entrepreneurs make all of these mistakes. And I applied them to my business, EOS Worldwide. I was fortunate enough to know them all when I was in my early 30s and applied them to building EOS Worldwide, which has grown 40% a year for 15 years straight. And, uh, and so it worked. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't realize it grew that much. But at 40% per year, I think this is another thing to talk to people about too, is this entrepreneurial journey. And I want to bring it back to, you know, because it's a marketing show, but a lot of people see out there, oh, I want to become an entrepreneur. And then they see all these ads on Facebook, like I'll take you from zero to 50,000 in 30 days. Um, and you know, zero to a hundred thousand, or, you know, you have a, a seven figure business this year. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, why, what do you think about that thinking? Cause I have my own opinions, but I want to ask you, and also because they're selling marketing, how important is telling the 18 year old Gino about learning marketing and not, I mean, not necessarily doing it all yourself, but learning the basics of it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's vital to answer your question. But let me go back to your first question, which is, you know, these people that launch their business and, and do a million or two million in their first year. What I would say to that is it's one in a million. And if, and if people are using that as their gauge and barometer for success, they're going to be miserable. Uh, we're going to have people jumping off bridges. So, so please, it is one in a million. And, and that's not what's common. And so that's why I teach that 10-year thinking. So that's part one. Part two is it's vital. You know, I was blessed to be surrounded by great sales training and marketing training in my early 20s. And so it was ingrained and embedded in me. So it's, it's vital at the same time, you know, the marketing world and all you marketing people say marketing is everything. I'll debate that to my death because there's a lot <laughs> going on in building an amazing business. But, but marketing is vital. I mean, it's, it's absolutely one of the major functions of a business that has to be strong. 
So I agree with you. Marketing isn't everything. I think it's marketing and systems. <laughs> and then, you know, and the systems to hire the right people. Um, you know, besides that, I actually want to come back to this 10-year thinking because I think it's one of those things that 10-year thinking is, even if right now, if you're in business and been in business for one year, two years, I think 10-year, I wish someone would have told me this 10 years ago. Because I think yeah. that not having 10-year thinking, I know that not having that thinking and then thinking of that hockey stick right away stunted the growth of our business. I know for a fact it did. So so let's talk about how how do you get in that tenure mindset and what is involved in it? Yeah, so so let's start with this basic premise. Anyone listening that is under 50 is probably going to live to at least 100 years old, okay? So we're all living past 100 at the current rate of what's going on in the health industry. So, you know, you've got 10... 10 year cycles. So I mean, you can accomplish a lot in 10 years. And even if you even if you screw it up in the first 10 years, you know, you got nine more. But but so that's the first really important context, because people that sit there and think that everything is about this next year, they're hurting their quality of life, they're hurting their balance, they're hurting their happiness. So I'll start with that basic premise. The second thing, all I can tell you is I was one of those people all through my 20s and I wanted it now and I wanted it fast and I wanted to be a millionaire and I wanted So when I was around in my early 30s, 31, 32, 33, somewhere in there, I discovered this concept of tenure thinking. And man, when I did, maybe I was 35 if I really think about it. But man, when that, when I understood the concept of I've got 10 years to build something amazing time slowed down. I started making better decisions because when you're making 10 year decisions, you're making decisions that build a strong foundation as opposed to, like you said, it hurt you thinking this hockey stick thought you're making fast decisions, dumb decisions, short-term decisions when everything's about making it happen now, 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 now this year. And so you will build something more sustainable and I personally believe you will go grow faster with 10-year thinking in the long run, looking at the 10-year time frame, than you will thinking one-year thinking and got to have it now and got to ha- make it happen this year. I find everything's better. And I'm an intense, hard-charging guy, but I think in 10-year time frames. It's funny because I, coming back to the beginning of the podcast, you even said when I was 40, my 10-year vision was to start helping entrepreneurs and you got there. Yeah. And I was in the middle of, you know, that previous 10 year plan, you know, so the aha in my mid thirties, I was focused on building EOS worldwide over the next 10 years, methodically and doing it right and making great decisions. And so I'm on that 10 year journey and right about halfway there at 40, I said, okay, I'm in the middle of this one. And so I literally put the stick out there and said, when I turn 50 and I'm going to work on the next one, I don't know what the one after this one is, but you know, it's, it's, you can, you can create pretty much anything in 10 years. And then there's the old saying that says, you know, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. Any great company, it's, it's taken 10 to 20 years to make it great. And the ones that do it in a year, they are anomalies. They're one in a million. It will mess with your brain to think that everybody can do that. It, I mean, I, I really can't, drive this home because we're you know entering year 11 and you know and i'm just you know things are getting clearer and clearer and you know we're launching story crews and but i wish i had had 10 year thinking and I, you know I, i'm gonna start with it right away 
because I think, like you said, it, it brings happiness, health, because we're driving home, driving home, driving home that you know, I needed to do this right now. You're going to be attacking shiny objects. You're going to be making stupid decisions. And I, I really can't get it across enough to you listening that this 10-year idea is critical because I look back on it and it's funny because while I always would look at people and go, oh, they're doing something awesome. I need to go do that. I need to go do that. For this reason or that another, I didn't. And now I look at some of those companies and they're gone. And they're gone because they were trying to get, you know, go straight up. And that's how you collapse. Yeah. And let me let me pull something from part two glimpse into this topic of tenure thinking, because this is the other thing that just makes me crazy. So when we when I talk about in glimpse, all of the options, industry sizes, types of businesses. That's the other fallacy is everyone's thinking, as I mentioned, tech unicorns, billion dollar tech unicorns are the only business to build and going out and raising funds and raising money. So if you look at the list, and, and, and again, your listeners can go to the website right now, there's a tool called um, My Biz Match, and it takes them through the process of going through all the industries, all the types, and out spits a result that is kind of the perfect business for them in size. My point in all of this is 95 plus percent of all of the businesses aren't technology and aren't these app companies and billion dollar companies and publicly held. And so what we're talking about here is the other 95% are the everyday businesses. And so we have people making millions of dollars building a heating and cooling company, you know, with 40 people with a, with a team of trucks driving around their, their market area. So, and again, I'm not going to go through every industry that exists, but to think that, you know, if your listener thinks they're an entrepreneur in the making and they need to go create an app, there are so many other options than an app. So what are you passionate about? There are just so many great industries out there. Anyway, so my hopes and dreams are that, you know, everybody sees those as valuable just as they do becoming a tech unicorn. I think I, that's incredible advice. It is incredible advice because also this idea of fast scale and is it scalable to 100 million? Is it scalable to 200 million? I also think slows people down and prevents them from starting businesses that probably are perfect for them because it's not a hundred million, 200 million, $300 million business in the making. But obviously, I mean, you're a great, uh, you know, you, you developed EOS, you've developed a big business, it increased 40% every year. Obviously it's not Facebook, but you were satisfied. You, you had a great business and now you get to do the next stage of it too, which this allows you to do this 10 year thinking, yeah. which I love. So, you know, and I also think, you know, we were talking a lot before the show and we're like, this is really for entrepreneurs in the making, but I think this is, after talking more with you about it, I really think this is like a great gut check for everyone, for every entrepreneur that you, if you own a business, take a look at this because you might be really unhappy in your business. Maybe you aren't really an entrepreneur. Maybe, you know, you're in the wrong industry. Maybe you're doing the wrong thing. I think that, that that's an amazing tool. Um, so that said, if, if you were getting started today and you had to start everything over, what kind of business would you make? 18-year-old Gino would make and how would you get started? That's, that's really good. And, and to touch on something you said there, um, you know, when you talk about these entrepreneurs that are already entrepreneurs, it might be a good read. So I wrote this book for two audiences. Number one, the audience we've been talking about, which is the entrepreneur in the making. 
but I also wrote it for anyone that is trying to help entrepreneurs in the making. So these are people that want to mentor entrepreneurs. These are people that educate entrepreneurs, organizations that educate entrepreneurs. So it's those two audiences. This thing that you just brought up, I'm discovering this third audience that I never anticipated, but you're exactly right. People that have taken their entrepreneurial leap, they're kind of bumping along a little bit. It is a great checkup and litmus test to make sure you made the right decision. And hopefully you did. And it's going to help you fine tune some things that are bumpy, but it may also help you realize, wow, I should have never done this. Ten-year thinking says, and you can unwind it, you can get out of it, and you can go pursue your true passion. So I just wanted to say that from kind of a contextual standpoint. But if you're asking me if I could go back to my 18-year-old self and what business would I start, um, it, it's an easy answer because, again, I was fortunate enough to realize it at age 29. And so any business I ever build, and so I'm on my third one now with Entrepreneurial Leap, it is a training business. So I'm a service business kind of guy. I have utter disdain for products. And that's, I talk about this in the book, you have product people and service people, your audience needs to decide which of the two are you there are product people that love to touch and feel their products. And there are service people that would prefer to never look at inventory until the day they die. So, <laughs> so, so for me, I'm a service business guy. I'm a B2B guy. And so again, I get, I get your audience to think about, are you a B2B person? Are you a B2C person? Business to business, business. I'm a B2B guy, 100% through and through. And I'm a training guy, training companies. And so the family business I took over was a training company. EOS Worldwide that I built is a training company. And what I'm building with Entrepreneurial Leap is a training company. So I learned that at 29, that that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm wired for. I didn't know that at 18. So to answer your question, if I was 18 and I knew all of this now, which I don't know that it was possible because I had to go out and do a bunch of stuff, uh, it would be training companies. And it's probably that help entrepreneurs for the rest of my life. My passion is to help entrepreneurs increase their freedom, creativity, and impact on the world. And that's what I do all day, every day. That's why I'm here. That's beautiful. That's and, I, and I hope by your audience reading this book, they will have that level of clarity about what their passion is and why they're on this earth. And that's going to help direct them toward the business that they're going to create. It's so important. I think that's a, a huge distinction too, because a lot of people out there go, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Oh, look, I heard this literally the other day from someone I'm very close to, like, oh, we're going to go sell this this product because I like this product. I'm like, okay, let's step back and talk about this business. It's not as simple as you go sell a product. You have to think supply chain. You have to think logistics. You have to hold inventory. You have to do product quality checks. I, I'm, I'm right now I'm getting like the heebies <laughs> and I'm starting to sweat. That's why I hate product businesses. But again, people love it. But you're exactly right. Inventory makes me shudder. A million dollars in inventory sitting in the warehouse makes me shudder. So I, I love what you're saying. And that's so, such a great filter for your listeners. It is such a great filter. And having a service business is a fantastic thing. Is it quote unquote as scalable? Uh, hell yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Don't get me wrong, but, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. You look at some of the, some of the biggest corporations when you go below the ones we know are service businesses. And even you look at Microsoft and Hewlett Packard, they're service businesses, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have a product, but it really a majority of their income now is services. Yeah. Gino, so any last minute thoughts, advice 
you know, on starting a business, really getting out there. You know, I wish I had this perfect comment that, you know, part of the recipe, <laughs> but I don't, I feel like, I feel like however many minutes we've been doing this, um, I feel like it's all in there, you know? So I wish I had this perfect summary statement. If, if you, if you force me to say something, I would plead, please find your passion. Everything follows you finding your passion. And so I, if I had to leave your audience with one thing, it would be that. Um, but other than that, unless you want to ask me a direct question that zero, <laughs> I, I, I've given you all I've got. And uh, well, this has been awesome. This has been awesome. And I, I appreciate the candor too, and not having a, a soundbite because it, I mean, that's perfect analogy for the entrepreneurial journey. It's, it's going to be different for everyone. You're at a different starting place, but I think this book is a great place. And I'm excited. You know, I, I was like, oh, I'm not going to take the assessment and now I'm going to, <laughs> I probably should have, but <laughs> yeah, this has been awesome. Well, Gino, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate all the advice and um, you know, entrepreneurial leap new book is out, uh, you know, and by the way, you know, we really didn't talk about the other books, but you know, rocket fuel is probably, I think if you're a mid-level, you know, if you're hitting that seven figure point, or even if you're at the $500,000 point, Rocket Fuel is probably one of the most important books you can read and then EOS for sure. But, you know, definitely thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. This was a blast. Yeah, and thank you all for listening and taking Gino and I on your journey. This has been Iron Garlic and the Garlic Marketing. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the garlic marketing show whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today that's it for the garlic marketing show if you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques make sure to follow i and garlic on facebook 